0: Well, this morning we are uh, beginning our third installment of the series that we're doing d- uh, called 10, 10 Words for Healthy Community. And in this series, uh, we just wanted to take uh, those, uh, those 10 words that the Hebrews called the, uh, the, 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 the law, really the basis for the law, and the, the 10 commandments that we've later come to describe those 10 words in our own more English vernacular. And the ten words are just a a declaration that God has for a whole community of people that are seeking to know what it means to live a life uh, in relationship with him. And uh, the third commandment that we're looking at today actually has a lot to do with all of the other commandments. Even though uh, it's situated as number three, uh, it actually is one that if uh, you were to take this phrase, and you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, uh, as it says uh, in the New King James Version, uh, it's a way of summarizing the relationship that we have with God through the understanding that we have with him uh, based on his character and the degree of respect that that character should really uh, elicit from those who recognize him for who he is. And so we just take the weightiness of that and we try to unpack it as, um, as we live lives out of deep respect for the God who delivered the Hebrews and ultimately delivered the world through a bloodstained cross. And if we can just begin to understand the magnitude of what that means, I think we'll have a greater appreciation for just how powerful the name of God is. And in microcosm, uh, we know that as we live our lives in relationship to him, that there is... um, something beautiful that he has created and that is us, male and female in his image and his likeness and as a result of that um, that union families emerge and in that microcosm of mother and father and, and, and children and their siblings uh, there are relationships and there are ways that people um, connect with each other and they can be either healthy or Unhealthy, and every family has to have their own set of rules that hopefully in their minds allow that family to thrive and to prosper and to do well. And if you have some structure, uh, I believe that that can happen. Uh, However, you can have a whole bunch of rules and eventually you just kind of forget what the rules are. Uh, This week, uh, my wife and I, while VBS was going on, uh, we were trying to get my daughter uh, moved into her apartment in Corning, New York, and it's it's been bittersweet, honestly. Uh, I'm very proud of her and happy for her, uh, but she's living in, a, in another state way far away with a whole bunch of different rules that um, uh, you have in New York versus in Ohio. Uh, for example, on the street that she lives in, she doesn't have a, a driveway or anything like that, but I didn't know this was a thing. Uh, when you park your car in Corning, New York, on odd days, you park it on the east side of the road, and on even days, you park it on the west side of the road. Or if you live on a, nor- on, on a road that travels east and west, uh, that would apply north and south. And I found this whole thing very confusing, uh, and, and, and really, I wasn't aware of just... Uh, how much this was a thing uh, until I went out to my car which I hadn't been driving because it had a trailer behind it and it had been parked in the same place the whole time and I noticed there was a little piece of paper underneath the windshield wiper you ever had that happen a little piece of paper underneath the windshield wiper uh, and I'm like "Well, that what's that all about and it said I was in a parking violation there was no signage there was nothing it was like just understood you should know when you drive into this place these are the laws and I, I didn't know. Uh, I had no no way of, of finding out. I didn't know enough people there to say, can you just tell me all the rules here so that I don't disobey them? And they throw me in the slammer and I can't be preaching on Sunday. Uh, so I, I did get a ticket. Um, and I broke one of the rules, but I didn't know what the rule was. So one thing I like about rule making is just, just try to keep it simple. Uh, in our household, uh, we just had... Two simple rules uh, for the Moore household. And, And we told the kids, we said, look, if you obey these two rules, life will go well with you. If you disregard these two rules, all I can say is disregard them at your peril. And here's number one. I, I told my kids, and my, their mother told their kids, you make your choices and your choices will define your drama. That is, if you like a lot of bad drama in your life, then by all means, make choices that are just going to create havoc and chaos in your life and enjoy the pain of the moment. And they're like, but I said, if you want to create drama in your life that is good drama, drama that actually is uh, an adventure, then make choices that have to do with keeping your life in order and allowing the potential that God has wired into you to come out through that order. And by all means, as you do that, just keep God at the center of the whole thing. And uh, so that, that really was uh, my explanation or commentary on that particular law in the Moore household. So you make your choices, number one, and your choices will define your drama. And number two is th- simply this, don't res- disrespect your mama. And uh, there's a lot behind that as well. Um, if you look at the way our household functions, I'm a pretty easy going guy and sometimes my wife said, yeah, it's good cop and bad cop and you always get to be the good cop and I'm always the bad cop. I don't say anything because I have one rule that, is, 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 that I don't even have two. I just have one rule, and this rule summarizes everything for me. I didn't even put it up on there. Uh, I, I, it is, I'm so fearful of this rule. Uh, I just got it in my heart, and it's just simply this, happy wife, happy life. Uh, and if my kids are doing those two things, I'm going to have a happy wife. So I make sure that they take those rules, they put them on the doorpost, they put them in their shirt pocket, they do all the equivalent of carrying it around with them. And truth be told, um, they've been very helpful in just uh, allowing our lives to not have bad drama and allowing their mama to be happy. So I like the outcome of that. Uh, and God said, you know, I'm going to keep it pretty simple as well. I'm going to give you 10 words. These are critical words. And if you actually will respect who I am as the giver of these 10 words, your life is going to work. And it's going to work pretty well. I mean, just imagine for a second, what would it be like if everyone on the planet obeyed The Ten Commandments. What would it be like? What would it be like if there there was no stealing or murder or adultery? Marriage would remain faithful. Children would honor their father and mother. Everyone in our society, from superstar athletes to politicians, all of them did the right thing under the right circumstances. What would the world be like? Wouldn't that be amazing? How peaceful everything would be, how in order everything would be, what the news, wouldn't this be awesome if the news one day came on and said, there is nothing to report that's bad, and we certainly don't report anything good, so we're done, signing off. Wouldn't that be awesome? Just all the news agencies out of a job. That would just, to me, that would be like the equivalent of, I don't know, everyone having a hemi-challenger. But that's a whole other topic. And this this commandment that we have in front of us, um, I, I, I think today as we're thinking about Father's Day, I sort of connected it to uh, a, another commandment, and that is um, uh, one that, 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 that comes a little bit farther down the road here, and that is... Honor your mother and your father, that it may go well with you. (laughs) It is, as Paul says, the only commandment with a promise. Because the converse of honoring your mother and your father is dishonoring your mother and father. And when you do, it will not go well with you. So we try to keep it upbeat. But the question is, for any father or any mother... Are we living lives that are worth honoring? And it's a, it's a perennial challenge. And I've told my kids from the get-go, I'm not a perfect human being. I mean, one nice thing about my job is that I have such accountability on so many fronts, it, it keeps an otherwise wayward person pretty much on the straight and narrow. And I said, God will probably keep me preaching until one day I just pass out in the pulpit, and then I'm done, and I go home. Uh, Because he knows that uh, those structures that I've allowed into my life that uh, keep me in a good place are critical for life. And it's really no different for any of us. There are things that we have to wire into our lives because we know ourselves well enough that if we don't, our lives aren't going to work well. And so we have habits that center on God and things that have to do with connecting with him on a ongoing daily basis. And we have rituals and rhythms that allow us to meet week after week after week so that our soul can stay in tune. And I shared that with my daughter when when we left and we prayed before we left and I said, I said, you have to, I said, I, even if I weren't a pastor, honey, I said I would go to church every Sunday because I know my soul well enough that it is, it, is, it is vulnerable to the things in the environment that are toxic, that I need to be in a worship gathering every Sunday so I can be the person who I'm called to be. And the thing that makes it, I think, real begins with a healthy respect for God, and when God says, "Don't take my name in vain," we probably have a lot of ideas about what that means. Uh, that is, like, you shouldn't say "OMG," um, thinking that if I say that, I'm I'm taking the Lord's name in vain, or I shouldn't use. You know, Jesus Christ in a way that is diminishing to his character or as an exclamation point on the end of something you're upset about. I mean, certainly that is part of it. But the name of God in our in our minds may be a little bit corrupted. Uh, you know, Shakespeare said, a rose by any other name is still a rose. And, and it's sort of like, you know, we aren't necessarily who we are by name, but by by essence and by, uh, by, by the substance of what we are. That's really what matters. But not so much. If you were a Jewish person, your name meant a lot. Your name was your identity. The name that you were given described who you are. And so there was an any, we can call you whatever you want, because uh, really what matters is what's inside. Not in the Jewish mind. Names were important. And the name of God, most important. Matter of fact, if you go into uh, many wor- Jewish type of worship gatherings, they don't even say the name of God. It's not even in the bulletin. There's just a line that says, you know what name goes here. There's that much reverence and respect for the name. And names are important. Um, You know, we we tend to think more like Shakespeare than we do the Hebrew people. But just imagine if you were uh, in the shoes of Joe Paterno in 2012, where... Everything is just disintegrating in front of us. And he was inducted into the Sports Hall of Fame and had all these accolades from all the championships and everything that had to do with the legacy that he had created through all the hard work that he did. But one comment that he made uh, during that time was that everything that I have built my life for, everything that I have worked hard for, the name Joe Paterno is gone. It's, 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 it's lost. And it was just crushing for him to imagine that when people would see that name, they wouldn't see all of the years of hard work that went into it, but they would see the scandal and the abuse, and they would see those things that his name became associated with. And so names are important. And God said, carefully manage the relationship that you have with my name. It is that critical. And so the name of God should mean something to us. It is something that represents his identity, and I think it represents ours. If you look at the ancient world, and you said the name Baal... Uh, it meant that that was a god that you would go to if your plants weren't growing like you wanted them to grow. That god was representative of that need in your life. Now, unfortunately, the activities associated with that le- brand of fertility uh, were, were pretty unsavory. And if you couldn't have children, there was another goddess you could go to. Her name was Asherah and the character of Asherah and the acts of worship, so-called, to appease this God were also way beyond sketchy. And as these gods take on these characteristics in a negative sense, as we read in Scripture, we find that the holy God says, my name means this. And so be very careful how you associate yourself with my name. Because the rest of the commandments, I wouldn't even need to give them to you if you got this one thing straight in your mind. And so when the Israelites called on the name of God, they were calling on who God is. But they were guilty of three things. They took um, his name and, and, and sometimes they would carelessly use it in making an oath. Like, I swear by God, you know, of our fathers, that I'm going to do this. And then they wouldn't honor the oath. And then it made that God look bad because their word wasn't, a, was, wasn't, wasn't, um, wasn't being honored and respected. Then there's the mixing of worship of false gods and the true God. Some people felt like, yeah, we worship the God who delivered Moses and our forefathers and mothers, but we also worship these other gods. And so they kind of mixed them together. And any time you mix God with something else, religion with politics or anything like that, interestingly enough, historically, whatever, whatever our faith or our religion has been associated with, Typically, that thing begins to define what our faith is. The influence seems to work that way. Rather than our faith defining the political realities, the political realities become co-opted by political people for their own end. And God's saying, be very careful about how you mix who I am with the things that you do in this life. And in our case, uh, we can abuse God's name by doing exactly that. But if you were to say, don't take the Lord's name in vain, a lot of us would say that means don't use any swear words. And I believe that is entirely true. That you should not connect God in a way that diminishes who he is by using him as an exclamation point at the end of something you're upset about. And when we do that, Jesus does give us a warning in Matthew 12. He says, But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. And so, if we say something that is referential to God and we're careless or cavalier about it we're gonna have to give an account I don't think it means that we're automatically going to hell but I think it means that we have to stand before him and in the awesomeness of his character we have to say yeah Lord this is what I did and it's not only a shaming and humiliating uh, but it really takes away from that which we have in our relationship with him so we, we do that, but there are other things that we do, and that is um, sometimes we connect ourselves to God in a way that, that, that maybe um, uh, we're using him. It's easy maybe to come to church and to say, I'm a Christian. I go to First Christian Church as part of who I am. And there probably was a time when if you were an upstanding member of community, you had to go to church maybe a church because it was all bundled into the persona that was being created and if it's just bundled into there to characterize something that people have fabricated then you could go to church and you could do this and you could do that and you could kind of play a game but are you honoring god or are you just using god for your own end i as a pastor i've seen people come in and out of churches Primarily because they know that churches are a great place to network with other people. They're a great place to make connections. They're a great place to make business connections. And God, I think, looks at that and says, if that's what got you in the door, that's fine. But if, if after you get in the door, and you don't transition from that motivation to a greater motivation of honoring me, then that's a problem. God says, don't connect me to your own purposes that have nothing to do with me. I won't stand for it. Now, why does God say that? Because we are made in his image and his likeness, but we're corrupted and corruptible. And the thing that God is trying to restore is a sense of what we are intended to be in the first place. And that is, we are an angled mirror. And when people look at us, they see God. Whatever characterizes our life in the name of God, and if they don't know God, they're going to say, well, that must be what their God looks like. It must look like you. And. Your character maybe isn't so great, or you didn't keep your word, or you cheated me, or you exploited something, or you manipulated something, and is that your God? And that's really what people think. And so we have to be very careful that we are that angled mirror. Um, I, I I don't like to brag about my kids, but I can honestly say they all fear the Lord. And I'm not a perfect person but I've tried to do the best that I could to be that angled mirror to them. And you know, thankfully I have a job that makes me accountable in that way, but I just see the blessing in their life as a result of it. They're not perfect kids, but the thing that I can tell you is they just saw something in mom and dad and they said, we want that, we like that. I don't know how they'll land 20, 40 years down the road But I hope that somewhere along the way in that foundation that's been created and their understanding of the name of God, that that's just going to stick with them. Because when we honor God's name, I think good things happen. But here's the third thing. And that is we can say, you shall not, you shall not. And maybe if all you hear from people that are believers is, you shall not. That's all my father heard growing up. In a Seventh-day Adventist environment was, this is what he heard. This was his takeaway from, from his faith. And I asked him one day, I said, what was it like growing up? He said, well, it was just I it was just a, I can't do this. I can't play sports. I can't go to the movies. I can't date girls as a teenager. I can't go to dances. And um, I'm like, well, wh- wh- what could you do? So we didn't talk about that. We just talked about all the stuff we couldn't do. And I said, well, it's no wonder you're not in church. Because I think the name of God actually is a very positive and very life-giving thing. I mean, it is truly the reason why I'm here. I am here because I know that there is a big part of my life without him that just does not work. Matter of fact, my whole life doesn't work without him. And that's why at a young age, I realized my purpose, part of my purpose was getting my relationship with him right, so that the rest of the purpose could take on greater clarity. And the reason why I'm gathering for worship with you guys every Sunday is because I know that you and I are made for relationship with him. And that when we have that relationship pretty healthy, then all the other relationships that we have with each other, are probably going to be pretty healthy too. And so God says, take my name, take it seriously, and then remember, there are just a lot of positive things about my name. There are actually hundreds of positive things in the Bible about God. His name, the way it can be worshipped and trusted and celebrated and adored, shouted, whispered, honored, cherished, exalted, enjoyed... The name of the almighty, the shepherd, the king, the rock, the healer, the provider, the holy one, the creator, the redeemer, the most high God, the one who heals, the one we pray to, the one who protects, the one we preach about, the one we baptize in the name of, the one who can move mountains, the one that Psalm one describes as Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You can only say that when you come to respect the magnitude of what that name truly means. And I think in a lot of ways, our eyes are just starting to open up. And as God opens our eyes, He said, The Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses His name. And what God is trying to say to each of us is that, There is an accountability that's bundled into this. It doesn't have to necessarily go there, but it's there just in case, if you're like me, you can be told something and learn the easy way, or you can be told something, ignore it, and then learn the hard way. And all God is saying is, don't learn the hard way. Just begin to discover how awesome my name is. And in a very positive sense. How life giving my name is. How do I know that? Because the fullest reveal. Of this God. It has been embodied in a person named Jesus. And this person named Jesus understood. The weightiness of the name of God. And at every turn he honored it. And he cherished And valued the substance and the quality and the character of that name. So much so that when he lived his life here on earth as a man, he reduced all of his divinity down to a man where he could only do what his father enabled him to do when he asked. He was that humiliated that he constantly went around in every encounter, every relationship, just imaging Like an angled mirror, the God that he revered. But you know what's so special about Jesus? Is how he took the awesomeness of God and he embedded it in his own heart. But he also recognized there was a tender side to this God. So tender that when the disciples said, Teach us how to pray. He said, here's what you do. You call him Father. But as you call him Father, also remember, hallowed is his name. Now we don't use the word hallowed probably in any sentences other than the church. But it just means it's holy and worth revering. It basically means respect that name. Because that name is worthy of respect. And when Jesus... Embodied those two characteristics, the great love and the fatherly care of his children, and namely, Jesus has his child in that context, and yet the deep respect that Jesus had for the father, it truly summarized the healthy dynamic that any father should have in relation to his children. you know what's so cool about being a parent? Because I've told my kids to do a lot of things. And on a number of occasions, they've ignored me. partly because, you know, it wasn't like, um, you know, respect your dad, but respect your mom. But I've noticed that part of it was just them learning to differentiate themselves as any normal developing human being does. But when I see them as basically emerging adults adults making decisions and having values and basically taking perspectives of things that are very much sourced in the ones that their mother and their father had i know that they respect us you know i know that they value that and it's not like the pastor's greater than everybody else i'm just Following the plan. And I also know that in that plan is grace. And that grace says, even where you fall short, your father will forgive you. And I've offered that to my kids. My wife has offered that to her kids. And that grace has been such a sustaining power. when When they don't always hit the mark. When they fail. When they feel like, yeah, I've really blown it. That grace just keeps them going. And so I just want to end this with that positive affirmation. When God was saying that, He really gave us indication early on that that's where I'm headed. I'm headed to the place where I want to make as many people as possible part of my family. Isaiah predicted this when he, he looked out and some people call Isaiah the fifth gospel. When he looked out and he said these words he said bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name whom I created for my glory whom I formed and made and when we trust God and when we honor him and when we respect him then we're in a healthy place with him and sure we can look at the commandments and say this is what I I need to obey and we may even think if I obey these commandments then I know that I'll be in heaven but God says that's not, you're getting it all wrong God said the first thing I want to do is I just want to get into a relationship with you. I want I want to know you. I want to know that you can know me I want you to know that you can know me and we can enjoy life together. And I want you to understand that your life won't work without me in it. And I also want you to realize that probably some part of your life is very broken. Maybe just your whole life. And you need saved. You need saved from that. You need redeemed from that. And when we receive out of just childlike trust that offer that God extends to us, to know that in Him we can find everything that we need, and we surrender to Him, and we live in the joy of that knowledge. And it's not out of a, a fear that we obey the commandments, but rather it is out of a deep love and respect for the one who cares so profoundly for us that we're just motivated to live a life that pleases Him. And that's really what He wants us to do. And I don't know where you're at in all of the Ten Commandments keeping, Hopefully we're all progressing in our ability to align our lives with God. But it may just start with that. A simple act of realigning your will with his will. Of realigning your purpose with his purpose. Your destiny with his destiny. And it all begins and centers in his son Jesus. I'd like to invite you into a relationship with him. So that everything that we've been talking about can begin to unfold in your life in a way that brings blessing and richness and and health and life and peace and joy. All those things that any loving father would richly desire to see come alive in children that he cares deeply about. And that's you.